hear something saying The sound of the men working on the chain gang. That's the sound of the men working on the chain. Yeah. Gang. Hey. All day long they're saying. Ah. Yes. Ooh. Well, hey guys and gals, it's 6:55 p.m. Over here on the East Coast, it's a bubbly old good time, isn't it? Well, it's Wednesday night. It's hump day. We are back to full strength at two hours. And uh, Monday nights should be unencumbered by anything for a little while. And, and I got I to gotta say why, too. Uh, well, obviously, we just finished a book club with Brave New World. So um, Monday nights will no longer be interrupted by that for a little while. But what I thought we were going to do in June... I don't know what I had read in the past, or at least portions of the past, of de Tocqueville's um, Democracy in America. I had a book, and it's in my collection downstairs in storage. I can't wait to get it out again. I had a book this thick, maybe 300 pages, based on how small the print is. So I'm thinking, okay, well, this will be a nice little, this will be four or five weeks if we parse it up for people at home to do a book club in the mid, in early summer when all the patriotic holidays are coming around and this would be interesting to read. So what I do is I go out there and I buy books for book club prior to reading it. I buy myself a new copy so that I can mark it up with all my notes and stuff and afterwards raffle it off and give it away. And so I went on to Amazon today to take a look at some paperback copies of the Tocqueville um, Democracy in America, and I'm seeing things, I'm seeing they're all 700 to 900 pages. It's like, wait, wait, what? This is going to take us until November. If we do this 50 to even 75, I mean, how many pages a, a week? What the hell is going on? So I don't know... Uh, I know some of you have already gone out and bought it, and uh, I, I have it too, downstairs. But what I have downstairs is not a 700-page book. So I, I, do, I have to think about this a little bit more. I have to make sense of it. Because, um, yeah. I, I have to make a little bit more sense of that before we, before we jump into that. Maybe there's a little bit of a switcheroo. I'm sorry for anybody who went out and bought it. It's still an essential piece of your your home your home library, and it, there there are wonderful essays from a European coming to observe America in the like the 1820s, 1830s, something something around there, and it's wonderful insight into us from an outsider's perspective of what we did with hundreds of years of uh, democratic. Uh, experimentation in Europe, what we were doing over here in the U.S. So I thought it was really great, but with something that massive, that's going to, that that screws with my plans for the rest of the year as far as the schedule goes a little bit. So, I, I mean, I got to I gotta take a look at it and see if, if maybe I'm missing something or if I'm, I'm misunderstanding what the hell's going on here. But yes, I just wanted to throw that out to all of you. Thank you guys and gals for hanging, hanging out. And being here on a Wednesday night, we're going to have Chris Ann Hall join us this evening. Haven't spoken to her for a little while. 
and I wanted to ask her some questions about what she's seeing with the, the legal process right now of this this Trump thing. I also want to talk to her. I want to revive a, a topic that we had um, on the air about a month ago now about where do we go for justice? We talk about parallel economies. We talk about thinking and acting locally a lot, especially with Chris Ann. But what do we do to supplement justice? So maybe she can she can put our perspective into proper place uh, for something like that, because as we can see from Donald Trump and we can see how they are beefing up the IRS, that's something that is something where the tentacles of their overreach is everywhere. I mean, the federal government follows you no matter where you go. You can go to a really nice liberty minded state, but the feds are always, always on our asses now. So I wanted to talk to her about that. Where, where's our recourse? And a couple other practical, if not hypothetical, questions about what anybody in Donald Trump's situation could expect if they were under, you know, if they were being indicted, if they're having all of this shit thrown at them, uh, there being an election year the next year. What could they do under certain circumstances if they were in trial? What does campaigning look like if you are, if you're fighting for your life in court? And it's literally his life. It's 34 felonies. 34. So how many of those stick? I mean, that's the reason why you say you throw some shit up against the wall, you see what sticks. Out of 34, how do you get all of them, if not most of them, thrown out? And even if a couple of stick, then how many years is that? Are they they're, are they going to order him to go to jail? If he wins the election when he's in jail, what does that look like? Do you take the oath of office in a jail cell? Do you immediately pardon yourself at that point and walk out? I'm just, I want to know all the ins and outs here. If, you know, if there are ins and outs to, to be known. So there's that. And then in the second half, we have a full hour there that we can take some calls. On YouTube, we're going to be dropping away from YouTube around the halfway mark of the show. We're going to be doing this a lot more. Um, there is no more reason to, you know, I, we got, we got to do some stuff over there. And while we're still on there, whatever we can to get noticed and to also tell people, listen, Yes, the show is available, at least in some part, on YouTube. But this is not a YouTube show. This is not a show on YouTube that you know about, okay? Because the, the I can't tell you how disheartening it is for people to still say, where were you for a week? You didn't leave that Google site for an entire week? You couldn't leave that site for a week? That's all you were doing? That is exceptionally weird at this point. So um, we gotta get we gotta get back to to reminding people that there's an exodus going on, and we have to get away from these sites and invest in other sites too. That's why I've left I've left Odyssey going, even though it's strained the bandwidth a little bit. We gotta figure some things out. So um, yeah, that's that's what we have. All right, all right. What else? What else? Chris Ann tonight. It's April 5th. It's a Wednesday. Got all that out of the way. Got wonderful things going on next week. Taking uh, April 10th, that Monday night off, the day after Easter. But April 11th, 12th, we got a uh, Hunter Fawkes. His name is Hunter Fawkes. He's going to be on with us next Thursday, the 13th, April 13th. He's a storm chaser and a meteorologist. So I can't wait to talk about all of that stuff. G. Edward Griffin. He'll be coming on the week after next. Dr. Albert Taylor, Shane Cashman, a lot of things cooking for April and more on the way. So 
Let's jump into our wonderful grab bag, shall we? First one up. First one up is from The Guardian. Well, this didn't take long. We were just talking about it last night. It looks like Charlie Kirk is going to need to find a new pathway to victory for uh, any presidential candidate in 2024 that does not require winning Wisconsin. <laughs> because last night was that special election for their open Supreme Court seat. And a liberal nut crusher woman was elected who is hell-bent on, on killing every uh, liberty-affirming initiative that they may have been kicking around out there in, in Wisconsin, including voter ID and other commonsensical initiatives. Abortion rights, redistricting, and election rules were at stake in decision affecting the key swing state. Now, just like in any other state or on a federal level, your courts, your Supreme Court is there to deliver opinions. Opinions. There is a, a role for the courts, there's a role for the legislature, and of course every state has its constitution, and if they're abiding by it, then that's really all that matters. You can tell judges to go pound sand. They are not, they're not legislators. But you know how this is, how this is going to work. Uh, I think that, the, that uh, Wisconsin was able to make a a uh, somewhat conservative majority in their state senate or something like that whatever they pass is going to be challenged legally now in this supreme court in the state and there's going to be fighting going on and whether or not that's going to be able to stick and make any new kind of um any kind of rules for for voting before next november i don't know i don't know but there you have it so i guess charlie kirk is going to have to turn main red and uh, maybe we—I don't know. What, what do you do? You try to—you try to win Minnesota. How do you cobble together that one? So the uh, backed up into a corner, real tight, real tight. Here's another interesting headline. I'm sure that some of you have come across today. This is from the Post Millennial. Leonardo DiCaprio—he's been trending a little bit on Twitter and elsewhere. Leonardo DiCaprio testifies that a CCP, that's the, uh, the CHICOMs, CCP-linked uh, CCP Malaysian financier, now a fugitive, sent $30 million to Obama during the 2012 campaign. Movie star Leonardo DiCaprio took the stand at a federal trial on Monday that seeks to hammer down the details of what appears to be a money-funneling scheme that features a Malaysian financier funneling tens of millions of dollars through a prominent 90s rap artist for the purpose of donating to former President Barack Obama's 2012 re-election campaign. DiCaprio plays into the saga because he was said to have partied with Joe Lowe, a Malaysian financier who apparently suggested to DiCaprio once during a conversation that he intended to contribute to Obama's presidential campaign, according to the New York Post. DiCaprio said, quote, It was a casual conversation about what party he was in support of. I told him that what party I was in support of, and he told me that he or he and a group were going to make a significant contribution to the Democratic Party. I said, wow, that's a lot of money. Uh, uh, Prakasrel Praz, Michelle, 
told the Fugees, told the founder of the Fugees, that uh, has been recruited by Lowe in an effort to funnel money to Obama's reelection bid because foreigners are not allowed to contribute to U.S. campaigns. The report indicated that Michelle had taken tens of millions of dollars to lobby the government on behalf of the Chinese government. However, it turns out that much of the money was stolen. Lowe is now being accused of embezzling $4.5 billion from 1MDB, Malaysia State Investment Fund, per Reuters. Lowe reportedly helped fund DiCaprio's 2013 hit film, The Wolf of Wall Street, a performance that won the 48-year-old the Golden Globe for Best Actor. DiCaprio and Lowe apparently carried on a friendship for a number of years, and the actor apparently understood Lowe to be a significant businessman with ties to Abu Dhabi and Malaysia. Prosecutors have claimed that Michelle received over $20 million from foreign accounts, which were then passed off to 20 straw donors from June to November 2012, according to the Post. These donors were believed to have made the contributions to the Obama campaign in names so that money could not be tracked back to Lowe. Of course, this would not reflect poorly on Obama in the media, only to somebody who, who should have known the rules, right? According to Utusan Malaysia, the Inspector General of Police, Tan Siri Abdul Hamid Bador, I'm very proud of myself for getting through that as well as I did, that name, has confirmed that the fugitive financier is currently hiding in Macau. Oh, wow. Okay. I know that. You know why? Because there must be a click farm in Macau, because that's the only place where I am charting. <laughs> and I don't know what the hell's going why I'm the beneficiary of it. Uh, I, I, I signed, uh, like I registered on chartable.com. And it tells you how your your podcast is doing in certain markets under certain categories by episode or in general or whatever. And the only place that I'm consistently in the top 200 is Macau. <laughs> a little feather in my cap. God knows what's going on out there. That's it's just probably it's probably SoundCloud. I'm telling you, there's something very weird going on with SoundCloud. Very weird. The IGP also revealed that Joe Lau and his family members have been, have been moving money freely in Hong Kong and that the Chinese government is believed to be providing protection to them. So we'll see where that all goes. See where all that all goes. Hey, here's a little something for you. It's official now. Anti-vaccine activist RFK Jr. is challenging Biden in 2024. There you have it. There you have it. Let's see how the AP has taken this. This is from the AP. Democrat Robert F. Kennedy, F. Kennedy Jr., an act, uh, anti-vaccine activist and scion of one of the country's most famous political families, is running for president. Kennedy filed a statement of candidacy on Wednesday with the Federal Election Commission. The 69-year-old campaign, uh, 69-year-old's campaign, the challenge incumbent President Joe Biden for the Democratic nomination, is a long shot. Right. Right. Uh, just like everybody, uh, everybody who was polling significantly higher than Joe Biden prior to Super Tuesday, bowing out at the same time and pledging all their support to Joe Biden was a long shot too. But that still happened. <laughs> this is a big long shot. Lots of long shots that that uh, have propelled Joe Biden into the presidency. Just it just happens for him. The, the stars just align. Self-help author Marianne Williamson is also running in the Democratic race. She still has not responded to my, my Instagram message. 
Kennedy, a nephew of President John F. Kennedy and the son of his slain brother, Robert F. Kennedy, was once a best-selling author, an environmental lawyer who worked on issues such as clean water. But more than 15 years ago, he became fixated on a belief that vaccines are not safe. He admitted oh, how that was. He was once a... A, 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 a wonderful, best-selling author and an environmental law. He had his head screwed on straight at one point. And then he became fixated on the belief that vaccines are not safe. He emerged as one of the leading voices in the anti-vaccine movement, and his work has been described by public health experts and even members of his own family as misleading and dangerous. Whoa. Whoa, we better keep clear of this guy. So, uh, so he's in, he's in, and the AP ain't happy. All right, well, on to other religious news. Speaking of religion, which is what, um, science has become, here is a transgender pastor who's comparing the treatment of the marginalized Nashville shooter, the sick fuck who killed children, okay? Comparing the treatment of the Nashville shooter to Jesus being crucified. The shoot, the, the killer of children. The killer of children. A liberal transgender pastor compared Nashville shooter Audrey Hale to Jesus being betrayed and crucified less than a week after Hale murdered six people at a Christian school. Micah Luegi, who was recently formally installed as pastor of St. Mark's Lutheran Church in Fargo, North Dakota, delivered the Easter-themed sermon to a small congregation on April 2nd. After reading the biblical account of Jesus' crucifixion, Luegi immediately brought up the mass shooting in Nashville, quote, instead of focusing on ways this could have been prevented, such as gun control, a significant number of people have turned their attention to the shooter's identity. Yes, I think the identity of a crazy person is very important. No doubt about it. No doubt about it, says this frumpy, androgynous potato person from Fargo. And let me tell you just, ladies and gentlemen, because we talk about this a lot, separation of church and state, this, this is the crux of it all right here. When they talk about separation of church and state, they mean they want no traditional faiths. No traditional faiths are allowed to upset the new religion that the state has created. That's what they're talking about. This is fine. This is totally fine to have a gender-confused person up there impersonating a, uh, a a clergyman speaking on behalf uh, on behalf of a faith that has been completely perverted completely and then oh my gosh oh my gosh canada now I, i'm not uh, we're just as bad but the display that has been put on by the canadian government what is coming out of Canada could have never even been imagined by anyone other than Aldous Huxley or his brother or anybody else in his family. At a press conference, I guess yesterday, the government um, 
in this case, again, fronted by another androgynous nut crusher immigrant woman. I guess she's Chinese or something, but uh, dressing like Victor Victoria over here, is surrounded by an entourage, a bizarre entourage of cross-dressing clowns and, um, and children, people in masks, all women or people pretending to be women, which also should not be surprising at all. And they're there to announce a new set of punitive measures that are going to be taken to curb and compel speech to elevate privileges of sexual special interest groups even higher. So listen to the, listen to this. Oh yeah, listen to, hold on. Let me get out of the way and take a listen to this 30 second nightmarish clip. Firstly, it enables the attorney general to create a 2S LGBTQI plus you must be wondering what wait wait two s l g p t q what the hell is it? it's a new acronym they're adding things to the top to the to the front of it now too s l g b t q i slogglebertic slogglebertic that's what it sounds like that's what it looks like to me and 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 be honest that's what it feels like something that just has no flow and is it, it it's just so hastily thrown together and it is confused and and off-putting slogglebertic so here here are the representatives they're, they're talking about new punitive measures that are being taken to protect the slogglebertic community let's listen to this us lgbt qi plus community safety zone to prohibit within a hundred meters of the property any homophobic transphobic act of intimidation threat offensive threats offensive remarks protest disturbance and distribution of hate propaganda within the meaning of the uh, criminal code it also comes with it a penalty of twenty five thousand dollars if prosecuted successfully twenty five thousand i'm i mean they all need to be physically removed from society but the infection is way too deeply embedded. I mean, there's no, there's no court victory. There's no victory that pushes back on this effectively because it's everywhere. It's everywhere. And also remember this, what you're seeing on screen right here, this is a weapon that has been deployed by the powers that really control our governments, our collective governments. This on the screen is a weapon that has been deployed by the real power centers in the world, the real power brokers. You can't vote this away just like you can't vote to reform any kind of government. You can't, you're not, there's nothing, just. And it, and it, uh, it brought this up, it went hand in hand with a wonderful quote, really wonderful quote. And I'm going to say this and we're going to get on down our way because we've got to start the, the rest of the show. This was sent to me by John Paul Rice last night. It's a quote by Theodore Dalrymple, whose uh, real name was Anthony Daniels. He said the following, when people are forced to remain silent, when they are being told the most obvious lies, or even worse, when they are forced to repeat the lies themselves, they lose once and for all, all their sense of probity. To assent to obvious lies is to cooperate with evil and in some small way to become evil oneself. One standing to resist anything is thus eroded and even destroyed. A society of emasculated liars is easy to control. And that is the only reason why this odd little 
masculine dressed woman and this parade of clowns behind her. Uh, that's the only reason why that's allowed on television, let alone given the authority to levy $25,000 fines on anyone uh, who uh, subjectively hurts their feelings. So it is way too late in the game now. That's why we have to look inward and make sure that we are all right as individuals and as families and we're doing well um, and, and fortifying the soul and fortifying the household. That's, uh, that, that's really just what it is. That's really what it is at this point because uh, the toilet is going to flush how the toilet flushes. Mom, please flush it all away. All right, we'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. And it's going to cause more anger among Muslims around anger. the world. There's plenty of anger right now. How can you have more? You don't think it'll look, exacerbate look, David, the problem? David, I mean, I know you're a sophisticated guy. The world is a mess. The world is as angry as it gets. Well, you think this is going to cause a little more anger? The world is an angry place. All of this has happened. Uh, we went into Iraq. We shouldn't have gone into Iraq. We shouldn't have gotten out the way we got out. The world is a total mess. The world is a mess, David. You let one ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride! something more comfortable. That's right. All going to the beach in our minds for a little while. All right, so um, we have a couple of minutes before Chris Ann Hall is on with us. I want to just say real quick, I watched a little bit of Donald Trump's remarks last night from Mar-a-Lago. I didn't watch the whole thing, but I, I thought that the first 10 minutes or so was, hey, if I was in his position, I think uh, very worth saying. Just keep pointing out at this point who's uh, who, who needs to hear what. I don't know. But to point out where we are and what is ignored on a daily basis, what is ignored from year to year, things far more consequential that harm the entire world 
have gotten many, many people killed. The things that were ignored and will be continued to be ignored. Um, and now you have this fat diabetic freak, Alvin Bragg, going out there and digging into bookkeeping mistakes. Well, you say it's not a mistake. Oh, wow. Okay. Just it's just it's so it's so ridiculous. When we when you, we live in this kind of warped, this warped reality, this this off dimension. Anyway. We'll see where it sets up a lot of interesting scenarios, things that we are going to be, again, flying into blind this year. So many things that we don't know are in uncharted territories. This is another one. This is another one. Washington Post editor says Bragg's case against Trump is disturbingly unilluminating and unnervingly flimsy. Even the Washington Post says that. They said, it, they said it's a dangerous leap on the highest of wires. This is from a, uh, let's see here. Ruth Marcus from the Washington Post says, I'm not saying prosecutors will lose this case. They could well win and I hope they do because a failure to secure a conviction will only inflame Trump and his supporters in their claims that the criminal justice system is being weaponized against them. Ugh. Oh, it's just, every sentence is just rife with bullshit. So it's not that this is a, um, it's not that this is in some way, shape or form, a bad, a bad pursuit, a meaningless pursuit and a, you know, jumping out of their skin. I have to send this on over to. Chris Ann Hall, because hold on a second, I just got to make sure that um, she gets this. Wait a second. Got to send Chris Ann Hall a new link. Just give me a, a moment, ladies and gentlemen. Chris Ann Hall. Boom. Okay, Chris Ann, I'm sure you're probably watching. I sent it to your email. So be on the lookout for that. But as I was saying over here, it's not that it's a, it's frivolous. It's not that it reeks of desperation and political motivation. They don't care about that. If it works, if it works, that's fine because we need to get rid of this Trump guy. And uh, But if it doesn't work, it's going to be real bad because then they're going to continue to think they're going to continue to think that this political targeted attack is just that incredible incredibly incredibly insane people and that's just the whole thing there 34 charges what the hell else are you gonna do where do you go wrong how do you get all 34 thrown away that you don't have to uh, settle for a guilty a guilty verdict on one or two of the 34 each of them each of them carrying a maximum of a couple of years in prison I, I don't know I don't know at this point but I want to. I want to get to. I want to get through a lot of that, and and uh, and hopefully we can we can move on from there. There is a little bit more. Take a listen to this. Take a listen to this. Here's a two minute clip. Oh, you know, to hell with that. Let's just bring uh, Chris Ann on, and we'll talk to her because I'm sure she's. I'm sure she has been talking about this on her own show, and 
and everything else, and I have a lot of questions that need answers. Chrisanne, how you feeling? Ah! <laughs> Hold on. We, we got the wrong microphone. You sound I'm so sorry. You sound distant. I sound distant? Yes. You sound like there's a microphone in the, in the closet. Uh, Christian's going to fix it. Okay, no problem. No problem. You, you do. You know, we've, I don't know if you can hear me at all. I could. I sound distant. So we've been having this issue with Zoom. It's been kind of crazy. A lot of things, a lot of things with Zoom are, are, are kind of glitchy. Uh, th- there's there's some good things about it. There are other things that uh, you, you can have settings that are consistent for God knows how long. Then all of a sudden, they're not where they used to be. And sometimes it's as, it's as easy as clicking it back to where it should be. Other times, you got to restart the whole thing, and then suddenly it's fixed. So I don't well, I don't know. We just did like three, two and a half hours of recording on Zoom right before we called you. Well, all right. Well, well you know quite sure why my mic is not working well then you know what hang up and call me back sometimes that works all right let's oh, try that something just got got uh, boosted a little bit but it's not as clear as it usually usually is do you see that there's no sound coming through it seems better christian sounds better than you do ah you can actually hear christian christian's my backstage whisper Really yeah, he sounds he sounds he sounds clearer uh, than you do. So wherever he's standing, he's closer to the microphone. So right. yeah, maybe maybe give me uh, give me a call back and it, let's right. we'll hang up and call right back. All right, you got it, you got it. In the meantime, I'll play uh, a little bit of this Donald Trump uh, the opening remarks here. This is from Mar-a-Lago last night. Everybody, we have to save our country. God bless you all. God bless you all. And I never thought anything like this could happen in America. Never thought it could happen. The only crime that I have committed is to fearlessly defend our nation from those who seek to destroy it. From the beginning, the Democrats spied on my campaign. Remember that? They attacked me with an onslaught of fraudulent investigations. Russia, 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 Ukraine, Ukraine, Ukraine. Impeachment hoax number one. Impeachment hoax number two. The illegal and unconstitutional raid on Mar-a-Lago right here. The lying to the FISA courts, the FBI and DOJ relentlessly pursuing Republicans the unconstitutional changes to election laws by not getting approvals from state legislators. Yeah, yeah, and, and this is all part of the thing that the Washington Post, I guess, doesn't want uh, anybody to think is real. See, I understand, listen, we all want to take them down. We all want to take them down, but uh, man, man, the bookkeeping stuff, the bookkeeping stuff, that might make him and his, his followers think that they have in some way been targeted unfairly by the justice system and by the system at large. And when you just take a few minutes to go through just your own memory, just skimming off the top of your own memory from the last couple of years, boy, oh boy, 
uh, it's uh, it, it's it's frightful. It really is frightful. You don't have to be a supporter of his to realize that um, this is a this is a a den of vipers, a real real bad one. Hold on, we're gonna give another try over here. Uh, Chris Ann, how you doing? Hey, I'm here. That sounds a lot better. Hello and welcome Yay! back. Yes, welcome back. It's great to have you on. How you've been? How you been feeling? It's it's spring. Oh, I know. I mean, Florida is so beautiful this time of the year. It's starting to get hot already. The pool, just so you know, the swimming pool is already at eighty-four degrees. Oh, oh, good. And and that's just that's just that's just from natural the sun beating down on it. That's not anything. Yeah. That's... No, I don't have a heater because it's getting up into nineties now. Jeez. I, th- I heard that we might be flirting with the 70s uh, after next week, but I don't know. Yeah, yeah, we're still... I'm still telling you, you need to take a vacation down here. I know. It's been a long time since I've been to Florida, and it's way too moody up here until about May, so yeah. it, I, I got to do something. I, either that or I have to buy some red lights, do some red light therapy in my basement, because I definitely get affected by, by the, uh, the extended winter, no doubt. Yeah. Well, yeah, let me ask you this. Uh, we do. We the first thing we do is go outside and start, you know, um, photo regulating. You you ground every morning. You go out there barefoot and stuff. Yeah. 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 Got to start. It's very hard to do grounding over here when the when the uh, when the snow there's snow on the ground and everything else. But you know. You, well, I have a trick I can teach you off the air. Okay. We'll talk about that then. I can't wait. What a time to yeah. be alive otherwise, huh? Let's start. Oh. Uh, let's, let's start. It's only going to get even crazier and even better. <laughs> I know. I know. And, and I want to just start with the obvious because I have a couple of off-topic questions for you, too. And, you know, as I preface this, I want to preface this by just saying, again, like in the past, there is a need to understand history, the law, the Constitution, the way it works in a mechanical sense or the way it should work. And then there is also the need to layer on top of that thinking like a criminal would. When we talk about this stuff, we usually have to separate two conversations, the way things should be and why it was meant to be that way. And then we need to start thinking like criminals would to explain what is happening and to predict where it's going. Because knowing how things should be has really nothing to do with the way things are. So, um, you know, it's like Alvin Bragg did not lose the district attorney's instruction booklet or something like that. He's doing what he had to do. So let's start with this. What have you been uh, talking about in general? Your, the biggest points about all of this uh, leading into not only this big primary season, but now into 2024. Well, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's actually going on behind the scenes that uh, deserves our attention. Uh, I understand that people are are pretty crazy about the Donald Trump indictment. And, you know, I mean, if if. If you have a anyone, and I was about to say a state prosecutor, but if you have anyone in government authority that can as blatantly create the judiciary, turn the judiciary into a political weapon, you got issues. But, uh, you know, I I get it that he's the former president, and I get it that, that it's really in your face but i gotta be the guy that says do you realize that the fbi has been a political weapon uh 
Yeah, since it started. Oh, I think I think a lot of people do. Uh, it's yeah. just it's just uh, this is just the latest chapter. And, yeah. and, um, and, and, you know, you, you think about why they, they tried to impeach him the first time because he supposedly had a, um, an inappropriate phone call with Ukraine that could have possibly been, uh, been uh, intended to harm his chief political opponent, which was all nonsense. Now we realize yeah. with 2020 vision that it was a, uh, uh, it was a cover up to make sure people weren't poking around into Ukraine. Here they are. Uh, in in uh, the year before a presidential election in which he's a uh, primary front runner, here they are trying to take him down at the knees with accounting with accounting uh, uh, violations, bookkeeping. So it's it's just really uh, amazing, amazing to see this latest chapter being written. I I really kind of have to, and it is it is. I get the whole it's real egregious because what we have is a situation where. It's not just some nobody that's that's really being attacked. This is, you know, like out there in the open. It's a president, a former president, and the audacity and arrogance that it takes to commit a, uh, an act like this against someone so high profile is what's really kind of shocking. If they will go this far in the light, then are we at the point where there really is no limit? Right. right. Um, but I also have to be a little bit curious as to, because I have an understanding of political processes, right? Well, Chrisanne, before you get what into the, this. What is the point um, before, of doing this now, Chrisanne, before you before you jump a little bit farther into what you're saying, what's the point of it doing right now? Is there a, a, a chance that Christian can put your volume up just a, a tad bit more? Yeah, yes, just He's a tad. Working. Okay, is that better? A lot better. Thank you. Okay, Go ahead. great. He, you know what? I don't think ever in my career has somebody asked someone to turn up the volume on my mic. It's okay. Well, that's me. That's. <laughs> Actually, I'm actually the one that's loud and projecting. He's probably turning me down. But here's the thing. We are so far outside of 2024 that it really makes me question, why are they pulling the trigger on this now? Right? Because it's going to become old news before it actually is valuable. Right now... All they're actually doing is serving as a fundraising mechanism for Donald Trump. Well, not that. Because, num yeah, because number one, being under indictment doesn't preclude him from running for office. Number two, being convicted doesn't preclude him from running for office. If being convicted of, of a crime precluded someone from running for office, three-quarters of the members of Congress would not be in office. Mm-hmm. No, right? oh, yeah. So the only thing that matters is, are you charged with a high crime or a misdemeanor while you're president of the United States? If so, that's grounds for impeachment. Um, when this... 
What's curious about it is that we have, um, I, I know that they're not going to meet again on this until December 4th, and that they already started talking about trial dates. So as you're saying, why pull the trigger so early on this? Well, even, even so, though a trial date has not actually been set, the prosecution was asking for January of 24, and the Trump team was asking for spring of 2024 makes it even later. So I, yeah. I'm glad you brought up timing because timing is, is very odd. You'd think that they would want this wrapped up uh, and hopefully uh, vindicated well before that so you don't, you don't have anything interfered yeah. with in, in your 24 uh, campaign schedule. So yeah, I, I, don't, I don't get any of that. I really don't. Um, and, and the longer the time this drags out, you know, like I said, the, the, the political viewership for any topic is very fickle. So there, and it always comes at the beginning and at the end. Well, your end is after the election or your land, your end is not anywhere near the election. What are you going to do with that? You're lo- you, you have no political momentum. Now, if it's about the gag order, again, that's not going to hurt Donald Trump. That's going to help Donald Trump because the gag order will be limited to the scope of the trial, which is really nonsensical at this point, has nothing to do with running for office. And the gag order is completely and totally unconstitutional. I was going to say. The Sixth Amendment of the United States guarantees a speedy and public trial. You can gag issue a gag order in a civil case when you're actually weighing and measuring uh, intellectual property rights. You're weighing and measuring uh, reputations of businesses in a civil dispute. But in a criminal trial where you have a guaranteed due process right to a public trial, to gag order a defendant is a clear and direct violation of that right. Because a defendant ought to be at right, is at right, to discuss the matters of his case publicly to the extent that it's strategically valuable. And I say that limitation there because as an attorney, nine times out of 10, I don't want my defendant out there running around talking about stuff because that really undermines the defense. And that's why you'll see, I don't know if anybody has noticed, because I've been watching very closely, Donald Trump is uncharacteristically quiet already without the gag order. And I believe that he has... Uh, a lawyer that's told him, uh, Donald, shut up. If you don't shut up, I won't be able to do my job. You've got to shut up and let me do my job because every time you open your mouth, you set up a situation where you incriminate yourself. And so Donald Trump is an attorney's biggest nightmare for client control. And I believe he finally got an attorney with the testosterone to say to Trump, shut up. Well, I'm glad you brought that up about gag orders, because I wanted to ask you about the constitutionality of gag orders. Now, it's great to have now gotten the breakdown between uh, civil 
and then criminal. Mm -hmm. And uh, th that makes a lot of sense, especially when you get into intellectual property and reputations of civil disputes. That makes a lot of sense. And uh, right. it, but in this case, yeah, I, I thought there's got this. I mean, it, it's all a bunch of precedents that are being set with all this, because, of course, it is very politically um, pointed. And, and for the judge to say, I'm not going to gag you, but I will if you don't stop inciting violence, which he's, he doesn't incite violence. So it's a so even in this threatening to do something that is unconstitutional, they're like inlaying some January 6th propaganda again to keep just telling the public Here's a here's a dangerous man, and think about everything he's done to us already. So I can't. Yeah, well, I, I, I don't interrupt. I'm sorry. Go no, ahead. No, 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 no. I was just wrapping up. Okay, so Donald Trump has never incited violence. So that comment is just so the media can promulgate propaganda, right? We both know that. So it shouldn't limit Donald Trump's speech whatsoever. And I would almost want Donald Trump to keep talking so that the judge would have to show evidence in the court of inciting riot. Because there is really an actual legal definition of that that Donald Trump has never come close to, ever. So... Uh, and then what we have is an argument to defend about inciting peaceful assembly. Mm. So does the court consider inciting peaceful assembly now a, a call to riot? Which is ironic considering that January 6th was practically an Easter egg hunt compared to what actually Antifa and Black Lives Matters have gotten away with, and the media calls that a mostly peaceful pro uh, protest. Yeah, mostly peaceful year. I mean, it, yeah. it wasn't even one incident. Well, let me ask you this then. Uh, it, it, totally, I got a couple of hypotheticals. A few of them you've already really answered, but I have a few more. Let's say that you, none of us know knows how this is going to play out, especially when they have been able to accumulate dozens of charges. Um, and, and in such a political hellscape like Manhattan. But if you were defending Donald Trump, aside from telling him, shut up, don't say anything, let us do our jobs, what would your game plan be, especially facing a, an unethical situation where that is probably going to be decided by a jury that I'm sure is going to be as batshit crazy as our judges and DAs out here? Um, I mean, what, 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 would, what would you do as a, uh, a trial attorney to, uh, to even start figuring out a way to get your client out of there with as little charges levied against him as possible. Well, let me, friend, the first thing that I would tell my client, knowing who he is, I would tell him, you continue to campaign because even by some travesty of justice, you are convicted of these crimes, you are still allowed to run for office. You are not precluded from running for office. You're not precluded from holding office. Like I said, be having a conviction at the state level, even having a conviction at the federal level, unless it's treason, you can still run for office, okay? And the precedent is already established for that long time over. 
But what you have to understand is about this indictment. Now, I, I've heard the reporters. I've seen the, the, the press conference that, you know, the charges are not listed in the indictment. And then the DA is like, well, because the law doesn't require it. I, I think what we're we're missing here is charges versus elements. And the reason the elements are not listed is the fact that it's really a house of cards. Because what happens is you have multiple charges that are dependent upon the same evidence. So I don't have to defeat all the charges. Mm-hmm. I have to defeat the common elements. I pull one element out of this stack and the whole thing falls apart. That's what we're dealing with here, right? That's why I said, why are they doing that? Why are they doing that? Why are they counting it as 34? Why are they pulling this out now? Because as we move further along, I don't know. See, because I'm a lawyer, and I i don't know if you know this, but I'm now a regular guest on court TV. No. Yeah, pretty cool, huh? I know. I knew that you were doing something with court TV. I didn't know it was a regular uh, a regular uh, spot, though. That's, that's terrific. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not like a host, but I'm a regular guest for one of their, for their hosts on their, their programs, right? So, anyway, um... I've become more of a online a TV court junkie because I have to follow it for court TV. Just like the Gwyneth Paltrow trial. Anybody who's watched anything with the Gwyneth Paltrow tri- trial knows. And I called because I, I did a couple spots on court TV about the Gwyneth Paltrow trial. And I said, look, you got to understand uh, anybody can bring any kind of accusation against somebody at the end of the day. This Gwyneth Paltrow thing is going to fall apart. Gwyneth is going to win with a resounding huzzah from the jury. And the whole thing, the underlying accusations are crap. This is exactly what's going to happen with the Donald Trump charges. I don't believe that this is going to stop Donald Trump from effectively running for office. As a matter of fact, I think it's going to backfire, and he's actually going to get more support running for office than he ever would without it for two reasons. Number one, he's going, it's going to strengthen his base. He's going to get donors, large donations from his base to fund this election. And number two, you're going to get people who are going to support Donald Trump just for spite. Mm -hmm. They're going to be like, oh, yeah, I don't even like Donald Trump, but I'm not going to let this D.A. do to Donald Trump what they're doing to Donald Trump, because if they're due to Donald Trump, what are they going to do to me? We saw this happen with Uh, when our pastor got arrested for having church during the COVID lockdowns. We had people coming to church and donating to the church who told us up front, I'm an atheist. I don't even believe there's a God, but I don't, I don't, I want to support the guy who's standing up against the government and I'm going to support the govern the guy to spite the government and that's exactly what's going to happen with Donald Trump. So I think this part is going to backfire for him and I think that his attorneys really if they can keep Donald Trump under client control, this is not going to be a difficult thing to to get rid of. 
I mean, you just had a federal court tell Stormy he she has to pay Donald Trump. More. 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 So every day it is exposed how frivolous this entire thing is. So what just a little legal tip for those of you who want to be legally junkies on this stuff and watching this. Look up the elements of the charges. See how many of the elements are shared by each of the charges and realize all they have to do is defeat that element and the other, the entire thing collapses. I, um, you know I, what's more curious, Frank? What? What's going to happen to this DA when it's, it's, the whole thing falls apart? It's New York. I don't know. I, I don't mean, know. This is malicious prosecution now. I mean, we're not we're not talking about slander. We're not talking about libel. We're talking about malicious prosecution. And he's not doing this. You got, I mean, everybody realizes the DA is not in charge of this, right? The DA is not bringing these charges because he hates Donald Trump or because he has some higher moral ground to stand on. We all realize someone is making him do this, right? Absolutely. Well, he did, it was part of a uh, was part of a uh, almost like a campaign of his, a promise. Anybody who who takes up some kind of position of power and influence in in uh, New York City has mentioned Donald Trump getting him as being a part of their their job description over the last five years or so. So there's a but but yeah, like you said, there is a puppet master or masters behind all of this, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. So my it. question is, what are the masters going to do with him when this falls apart? I, uh, When I think about someone like him, I think about someone like Fauci, where as long as you do what you do and you're loyal, then perhaps you can get relocated to a new department, so you can help get help with retirement. Uh, sometimes they flush their patsies, like you know Harvey Weinstein, but I, I, don't, I don't know, he's been... We'll just have to see. But uh, but I know what yeah. you're getting at, and I think a lot of people are asking the same questions. What's going to happen afterwards? Because this is beyond, right. beyond, beyond. Let me ask you a two-part hypothetical. Right. I don't, I'm not assuming that he's going to be disbarred or held accountable by any agency or NGO. I'm just saying, you know, Epstein didn't hang himself. Yeah, yeah. Or a little bit of a a ball through the legs in in the championship game, you know you yeah. had you went out there and you were a little bit overzealous and now you mm-hmm. kind of screwed us because we wanted to get him, but this looks bad like like the Washington Post. Uh, like I was you're reading. Really going to help him? He's helping him, and I and I just I think you know. Oh, he will. I think that it was. I think after the arrest. I think after Tuesday, the Trump campaign announced that already ten million extra dollars came in. Just, just, just since Tuesday, and it's I, I, I understand, no, no doubt, <laughs> I understand. Um, but I have a two-part hypothetical now. You already answered a lot of them about what you can and cannot do. Um, and pretty much, he can continue doing everything he wants during the trial, the campaigning, even if he's convicted. If Trump is in, let's just say hypothetical, anybody in Trump's position, let's say that they were in jail. At the time of a presidential election win, uh, A, would they take the oath of office in the jail cell? And B, as soon as they take the oath of office, could they just 
declare themselves pardoned and immediately walk out. How would that? I mean, how would that happen? What are they in jail for? Uh, let's let's say that they're in jail just for uh, anything that Alvin Bragg wants to throw out there. It actually sticks, and out of the thirty-four charges, he's he's saddled with two and a half years in jail. And okay, so that's the question. He's actually convicted of a crime and serving out his sentence. Yes. Okay. Um, if that's actually the case, I believe he cannot run for office. No, no, because, no, no. Because if he's because actually- your your civil rights in that aspect are suspended while you're incorpor- incarcerated. You don't have the right to vote while you're in jail. You don't have the right to run for office. So as long as he is not, or anybody in his position, has not already been convicted and sentenced, then he can no. continue. Yeah, it, convicted and sentenced is okay, but not incarcerated. Well, I mean, don't you don't they incarcerate you like soon after sentencing? Yeah, but not everybody gets incarcerated once if they're convicted. Okay, all right. So then that changes things up a little bit as yeah. far as as far as actually being jailed goes. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. I wanted to ask you about that. Now, you know, this also brings something else. So you're you're talking about the people who would vote out of spite. You're talking about those who are looking at this, and, and they, they may not even be fans of Donald Trump, but they're seeing how it reflects on us. It reflects on where the system is. And you are a person who I have talked to a great length about parallel economies. We, we have, we talk about precious metals when it comes to currency devaluation. We talk about farmer's markets when it comes to food. We talk about direct care with doctors, homeschooling. But where do we go for justice without falling into vigilantism when we see that this is by and large something that is just all around us? Um, To to go our whole lives and try to avoid hospitals and courtrooms is, uh, is is a daunting thing. Um, maybe we can right. do. Uh, wh- what do you say about the parallel economy for justice? Well, it here's what has to happen, and what you're you're sort of playing with here is when does is is government completely broken down, right? Because if you're at the place where government is completely broken down, then what you have to do is is immediately begin rebuilding at the local level, right? So you you establish justice at the local level, but that's so far out of our realm at this point, right? Right. That I don't, I don't think it's something we really need to talk about. It's it's something that would be so complicated we would have to devote a show to it. But the reality of today, okay, and this is where people really really get distracted. Um, and, and, and I don't mean that as a condemnation, just a realization. Do you understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. This is one state. This is also the, a federal government, right? Now, now, we're not talking about the FBI, right? We're talking about the, disju- the unjustice of the FBI, the Department of Homeland Security, the Department of Justice, well, the Department of Justice as a whole, right? Mm-hmm. The solution is, always has been, and always will be, as long as we maintain the Constitutional Republic, the duty and the 
obligation in the authority of the sheriff. You have, if you have a constitutional sheriff, a sheriff that understands their oath is to support and defend the Constitution of the United States and the Constitution of their state. Your sheriff is either your best friend as a guardian of justice or your worst enemy as a tyrant with it. Okay, let, let me in, in interject there. Let's say that we had the, the most solid gold star sheriff on the planet that somehow became sheriff over this district in, in Manhattan where Alvin Bragg is. What, what, is there something he would be able to do to intervene on, on, on Donald Trump's behalf with what's going on with the district attorney's office? And, what, and if sure, so, he what? Would never, he would never be arrested. And, and why would that be? He, he would tell, he would, because the sheriff has the right to refuse the arrest if he, if he knows that the charges and the activity of the judicial system is, ba is outside the Constitution. Wow. Okay. That's great. That's what I wanted to know. Again, it always comes back to that. We've, we've talked so much about the sheriff. I well, have I learned. Well, I mean, we have our documentary, Frank, that yeah. people can go watch and see. It's a tremendous thing. I never thought I would know so much about sheriffs, and um, and it keeps coming back to that. And I, I I really just love it, I really do. So that's a good thing to keep bringing up there. Here's another thing: talking about talking about uh, ground level. When this all started happening, where people started seeing, okay, well, any day now there's going to be something brought up against former President Trump, and uh, and the hypocrisy of how many people have walked away scot free for transnational crimes. Uh, crimes against humanity, war crimes, people, presidents that should be in jail for five lifetimes for the people that they've killed because of unconstitutional actions. Again, working on behalf of greater puppet masters, but still working to that end. And and everybody was like, okay, well then how do we start locking people up that, that deserve to actually have a real trial that puts them away? And I had a couple of viewers in the audience get in touch with me and ask me to ask you, about the utility of citizen impaneled grand juries. Um, how do they work and what could they possibly achieve, if anything? In today's judicial economy, nothing at all. Okay. Um, the citizen grand jury is actually dependent upon the system itself, which doesn't really provide an option. So a citizen grand jury requires the DA's cooperation, requires the sheriff's cooperation. It's not something like, you know, running around citizens arrest, citizens arrest, and then you have some kind of, of kabuki court or some type of, of jury that's just simply outside the law. A citizen grand jury requires that the sheriff will arrest the people indicted by the grand jury and the DA will prosecute them. So a citizen grand jury is not really helpful in a system that is broken. Mm. Uh, it's only something that can be used if there are still fragments of the system working. And so given like New York, 
you're not going to call a citizen grand jury and indict the DA. It's not going to happen. Uh, and the, the the secondary and maybe even you know primary problem with a citizen grand jury today is that the American people don't understand it. So even if you had a DA or a, a sheriff who's not corrupted, who's actually constitutionally sound or at least morally compelled, we have not taught this aspect of citizen grand jury for so long. You would actually have to teach them before they would be able to do it so it wouldn't be viewed as something as fringe and extreme. So what our problem here, as what Jane, uh, uh, Samuel Adams said, is the knowledge of the people. The ignorance of the people of the citizen grand jury is quite unfortunately the same ignorance of the people that allows the judiciary to collapse the way it is. The ignorance of the people is what has denied the essential check and balance of the judiciary and the law through jury nullification. So if you're in a if you're in a in a situation where in your community the people themselves don't understand the very simple but essential principle of jury nullification, you're certainly not going to be able to conduct a citizen grand jury in any way. Hmm. Because in the sort of liberty mathematics of it all, jury nullification is multiplication. Citizen grand jury is complex calculus. Gotcha. So yeah, I, I, I it's just not a possibility today because we're so fundamentally ignorant on what due process is and how the judiciary is actually supposed to work. That, and I guess that that's uh, applied across the board for a lot of other things there too. If it's just not in the if it's just not in the uh, the, the public consciousness, it, it really doesn't exist. Which is why no. every, everybody needs to be brought up. And to understand and to to be bound to certain values for a uh, a society to last any significant period of time, or else it just becomes all improv, which is what we're we're doing right now. It's all improv. Now I have a bonus question for you. If I could just say one more thing before you do your bonus question. Go ahead. I'm so terrible at doing this to you, but it's okay. Thirteen years I've been teaching, Frank. Thirteen years I've been traveling. I've taught all 49 continental states. 13 years I've been asking a single question. Name all five liberties of the First Amendment. Less than 2% of any given population can name all five liberties of the First Amendment without looking on their phone. That's where we are, right? That's where we are. In the last four years, I've started traveling and teaching state constitutions. Every single time, in every single instance, I've taught the state constitution. I've had people come to me afterwards in confidence and whisper in my ear, thank you for teaching me about my state constitution. I didn't know we had one. We have got so much groundwork to do before we are able to institute a remedy like a citizen grand jury because what you really have is a moiling mob who doesn't understand justice, who doesn't understand due process, who doesn't understand the rights of the people. 
And I, I and and when you talk about ignorant moiling mobs, I I think about frustrated toddlers, um, where you you know you're you're conscious, you are you understand that you're feeling something, you understand what you want and what you don't have, but there's really no context to anything, and therefore there's a lot of acting out, and there's a lot of kicking and stomping and screaming, and and we right. have in effect been made. Uh, like that in in many ways when it comes to our civil discourse there is only calling someone you don't like a fascist not really even knowing what fascist means yeah. they're uh, constitutional or unconstitutional is just a euphemism for things I like or don't like um, mean or nice it, it's just really um, I, I see that I see that really um, play itself out and express itself in the way that we treat each other and the kind of conversations we have day to day, even when there isn't a big, a big, uh, a big thing like this in the news, which there's always a big <laughs> thing like this in the news now. But my uh, my bonus question to you was about the Senate. More uh, 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 in particular, John Fetterman. We have a mentally incapacitated man who should never have been pushed to run in the first place. He has essentially spent the first four months of his term, his first term, in a hospital for what they say is depression. Um, is it a, uh, does he, A, is it constitutional to have a vote by proxy on things like this? Uh, if he has somebody voting for him, I don't know how he's voting. Um, and that's number one. And number two, if you become incapacitated during a term in the Senate, is that a special election kind of a thing, or is that somewhere something where the govern, governor gets to appoint someone as a replacement? I forget. All right, so let's be very clear about something. You know, we start basic. Um, senators do not represent the federal government. They represent their states. Fetterman is a problem of his state. He is not a national problem. It's not anybody's business but that state and the people of that state. Whether and how he's replaced is handled through that state's laws, through that state's pol uh, you know, policies on this, however they deal with that. Because a, represent a senator is a representative of the state and the federal government doesn't dictate Though that criteria, so uh, I, I I feel bad for the for the state he's supposed to be representing. I feel bad for those people, but not my monkey, not my circus. So if they're happy with having somebody that can't, you know, do his job, occupying a space that could be occupied by somebody who's actually competent, that's really their prerogative. And we, the rest of us, don't have anything to say about it. So this is an issue that the people of that state must stand up and deal with, not anybody else. Um, voting by proxy. I don't think that voting by proxy is something that should ever happen. Ever. And I don't know if I don't know if that's something that he's doing. I just don't know over right. the, over the course of four months. I'm just wondering: are they sending are they sending official work? 
to the mental hospital or wherever he is. I, I don't know how this is happening. And in the re, and the, the well, other reason... That would reason, be a, a national security violation, wouldn't no, it? I, would, I have to imagine. And the, and, the, and the other reason why I asked about uh, uh, senators becoming inca- incapacitated is because I did not know uh, what original intent for all this was prior to the 17th Amendment. And, uh, and and what it is before and after. Um, so I, I knew that the, the governor had a, a little bit more uh, power with recalling senators and putting them. So I just needed to know what the, the updated rules were. So it's still all in-state. Um, yeah. Okay, got you. In-state decision-making. Understood. Right. I, those are my, those, that was my bonus question for you, Chrisanne. Thank you for being so kind to answer it. Um, oh, my pleasure. Well, here's, here's what I wanted to leave off with tonight. Uh, usually when you come on around holiday seasons, whether it be Thanksgiving or Christmas, I always love getting some holiday stories for you, uh, from you, thoughts from you, whether they are, have anything to do with history, American history or, or not. Is there any classic Easter stories that you like to reflect on during, uh, this very holy time of year, whether like, again, it has anything to do with American or world history or not. I'd, I'd love for you to leave us with some thoughts of that if you have any. Well, obviously, the reason that we have Easter is to celebrate the resurrection of Christ, which is our hope for eternity, right? It is not the fact that Christ was, was crucified by which our hope comes. The fact that three days later... He arose from the dead and is sitting at the right hand of God is where our hope lies. And it's in the combination of the the fact that he was the satisfaction for all our sin on the cross and that belief in him, faith in him and the completion of that act is the road to our salvation, his resurrection is the picture of our hope for eternity and the fact that he is has risen from the dead sits at the right hand of god he is our mediator with god he is the advocate for us in the in if through our faith in him that gives us forgiveness of our sins so that we can be made whole so that we can we can be made holy in the eyes of god so we can have eternal peace and even present earthly peace. Uh, That is obviously what gives me hope, not just Easter, but every other day of the year. But you know, there is a very interesting story, a very interesting David and Goliath story that happened during our American Revolution on Easter in 1776, which that year was April 7th, okay? So what you have is the Continental Naval ship called the Lexington, who is now, now remember, it's April, so we're not actually in the full Revolutionary War battle, right? But what we have on Easter Day, under the command of John Barry, who is also gonna be referred to later as the uh, one of the fathers with John shared with John Paul Jones of the US Navy okay he leads the t- he captures the HMS Edward off the coast of Virginia 
right in front of a British naval blockade. So I want you to picture this. We are a fledgling Navy. We're brand new, just building. We haven't even declared independence yet, but you have to understand there's battles already happening. Um, captures the HMS Edward right in front of a British naval blockade. We have just now captured a Navy ship right in front of the face of the, of the uh, British Navy blockade, the most powerful Navy on the planet. In the midst of them completely dismissing any credibility that we have in independence, calling us nothing but ruthless, ignorant savages that we will never, ever succeed in overthrowing the most powerful government on the planet and the most powerful Navy in the planet right here on April 7th. One captain of one ship takes over in a ship in front of a, of a, of a naval uh, blockade which immediately catapults the morale of the entire movement and shocks the garbage out of the entire naval fleet of the British government. And that happened on Easter Sunday, huh? Wow. I, uh, well, I, uh, what, what, do you know anything about the about the there had to have been some sort of a, a confrontation right afterwards what happened with the blockade well it wouldn't be well they captured they and got well, out of part there. of capturing is removing it right right so uh the the bad news is is that the lexington would be captured um less than a year later by the british navy which would be some sort of redemption but uh, along with John Paul Jones, uh, John Barry would continue to fight in our Navy, and it would be because of our Navy uh, that we would be, you know, in part and parcel to the Navy that we become successful, because there's no way we could have kicked Great Britain off of this land that they called their own if we had not defeated the Navy. And what's really, really important to understand is these early wins are so important to the really the beginning of it at all because we're in a situation where, like I said, this is a David and Goliath. If you look at this from a 30,000-foot view and you really sort of, if you're playing, what is that board game, Risk? Mm-hmm. Right, you're playing risk and you're looking at the pieces and watching how it goes, you'd be like, no way. No way is this place gonna do anything to these people. Right? It is an absolute miracle that we were able to gain our independence from Great Britain. And I don't say that lightly. I know people throw around the word hero lately like it's, you know, you, you can pull it out of a gumball machine and they throw around miracle in the same way. I'm telling you, from somebody who has studied not just the history overall, but the day-to-day-to-day events in that history, it's an absolute miracle that we are still not British today. And what's even a more miracle is that we weren't on the backside uh, conquered by 
France or Spain. I know. A lot of chaos they were in there. actually remained independent. A lot of chaos in there. Usually someone that swoops in that tries to pick up the pieces and cobble something together for themselves. It, uh, it really is a remarkable story, and thank you for sharing that so much. It's, uh, it's great to have you on, especially in holiday times. And uh, if you let everybody know where you're going to be next, I know that you uh, obviously you're on television. You have your own show and, uh, and your teaching duties. Chrisannhall.com. What is your, uh, your live tomorrow at 6 o'clock? Actually, um, <laughs> I've sort of taken a break from my podcast. Okay. Well, you got a lot going on. You got to switch it up sometimes, I guess. Yeah, yeah. JC, if you go to my Rumble channel, JC's been actually covering, and he does once a week, uh, and he he's put together a phenomenal show. He's got a more um, aggressive personality than I do. My man, my man. That's it. And, you know, uh, mine, I'm very. I'm a teacher, so I'm very educational. I'm very. You know, we take the the current events and we teach you about the Constitution. JC will just straight up rant and 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 tell you how it is, and he's absolutely brilliant on issues of of foreign policy and foreign affairs. And I mean, he's the smartest guy I know. I I just he really is, and I I could be biased about that, but. But I really believe that. That's okay. And so he's handling the show. Now, I told you I'm going to be in Fitchburg. Isn't that close to you? What's that, Massachusetts? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Anything in Massachusetts is never more than four hours away, so it's close-ish. Uh, yeah. But, uh, but when's that going to be? Um, that is in May. Everybody in in uh, New England, Chris Ann is going to be in Fitchburg, Massachusetts, in, in May. I'll I'll make sure that the the dates are out there because I'm yeah, sure so that there's a few that a few people that would love to come out and see you. Not this Easter weekend, but the next weekend, I will be in Jackson, Missouri. Um, on on that Friday, whatever that date is, that Friday, and then May fifth. Uh, I will be in uh, North Atlanta, Georgia, and then we'll be in Fitchburg. Well, okay, so after May 5th, early May, you're going to be out there. Just let me know the the exact date and how people can go and sign up or put it on their itineraries, because like I said, I'm, I'm sure there's at least one or two people in the area that would love to come out and meet you in person and, and be a part of the lectures for the day, and... Um, yeah, as always, Chris Ann, I, I have nothing but uh, great, great appreciation for the time you spend with me here, and, and thank you, and send my best to JC, and have a thank wonderful you. evening. Thank you for everything. God bless you guys. Thank you so much. All right. Happy Easter. Happy Easter. Take care. There is our good friend, Chris Ann Hall, skipping on down the road, and we are going to take a really quick break. I will see you on the other side. We're going to be dropping off of YouTube now, so I'll see you on uh, Rumble or Odyssey or Theta, Foxhole on QuiteFrankly.tv especially. That is the home of everything. There's going to be a nice nice facelift to the website over the course of the next 24 hours. I think, I think by Good Friday we should have everything in order. So... Um, so by all means, we will see you on the other side. Thank you so much.
Sorry, Franklies. The rest of the show is available at quitefrankly.tv. Quitefrankly.tv is the place to catch the latest episode, the latest blog entries, links to becoming sponsored. If you want to buy a t-shirt or something, visit the merch store. Quite Frankly streams live weekdays at 7 p.m. Eastern wherever you get your podcast. Now, head to quitefrankly.tv and we'll see you there. It's intermission time, folks. Time out. Press the like button. Thank you. Welcome to Intermission. We'll, we'll be right back. Yeah, Intermission. Quite frankly. 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 Quite Quite frankly. Quite frankly. Quite not quite. Let's go, Brandon. Quite frankly, in Roma, Italia. Quite frankly, you're going on Frank's show tonight? I really like you. You're very smart. So everybody watch. Quite frankly. With Frank. Quite frankly. How dare you? All right. You know, I have a wonderful update for you. Um, there are some people, some people that are wondering, hey, where'd that Fudwaddle guy go? Well, I, uh, I confirm that he's alive. And that's all we'll say. He's alive and well, and that's uh, that's that's good enough news for all. And I also have an even better update. Uh, Mark Swan, everybody knows out there. I don't know if you know this about Mark Swan, and I asked him if uh, if I had permission to talk a little bit candidly about this. But for years now, Mark Swan has been um, in need of a kidney transplant, and he's been uh, going through dialysis, and he's all that stuff and uh, so I mean that's why especially when when Skip was really getting bad and he was nearing the end of his life you know Mark was asking a lot of questions and we you know he understood the situation Skip was in and and things like that and I uh, and he uh, 
Mark had been barred from surgery for getting a kidney transplant because of his vaccine status, but he would not, he wouldn't take the vaccine. So for well over a year and a half, they, they, they kept him out of hospitals for this life-saving surgery. Instead, he's going to dialysis three times a week. And he finally, about a week or two ago, finally found a hospital that was willing to save his life without any kind of negotiation. And then a kidney came through on Monday night. I got a text message from him. Hey, a kidney, a donor kidney came through uh, tomorrow morning. I'm at the hospital right now. Tomorrow morning, because when you get that call, you go. I remember when Skip got his call 20 years ago, when he got his, his transplant, you stop everything and you get to the hospital. You run to the hospital and you, they prep you and they, and they get you good to go. And uh, his kidney came through, Mark Swans, his, his came through on Monday night. And Tuesday morning, he went under the knife. And, um, and then I got a text message last night, right before I went live, that he, everything, everything went well. And they're just, uh, you know, it's, now he's going through the process of getting acclimated with that. A little bit more work that has to be done. But uh, uh, I'm, I'm very happy for him. And I know a lot of you have become friends with Mark Swan in the in the uh, the chat room and and hopefully this uh, this is a good turnaround for him because I've had quite a few people close to me have to be tied down by dialysis scheduling and and just getting wiped out by it and it's it's a lot so I hope that this is a new a new chapter for him and I just want to put that out there all right, let's go into some super chats and see what's going on with people, and then we're going to take your calls until the end. At quitefranklysuperchat.com, Graydon Sharp says Chris Ann Hall for Supreme Court. Wouldn't that be something? KT Sky D says, thoroughly enjoying your show as always, Frank. Thank you for always bringing us news and valuable, valuable information in such an entertaining way. I'm glad. I'm glad we can do that. Tomorrow and Friday... I don't know what we're going to do, but it'll be fun because this is usually when I try to wind down and shift the energy elsewhere. Stostube says, thank you, Frank and Chris Ann Hall. Another excellent show from great independent media. Quite frankly, is where it's at. And then Montana Todd says, did you ever get my emails? I sent several over the last few weeks. No big deal if you did. I, I, Todd, I don't know. Why would you spend money on a super chat like that? Just send. Sometimes I can I can respond. I I get thousands of emails and I think I do pretty good. I don't know what you're. I don't know, man. I'm sorry. I wish that there was a refund button over here. Email me again and so I can send you this this money back because I don't want to take money for this. Did you ever get my emails? Uh, Revolution says mixed day. Should have been Dad's 71st birthday. Miss you, Dad. Trying to wish Papa Shango an on-air, frankly, birthday is how I got fully hooked into the Quite Frankly eco. Not just a lurking listener. Much thanks to Stostube for making that happen back in the day. Wow, Rev. Well, and happy birthday to your father. Happy birthday. Um, yes. Very happy birthday. All right, what else do we have here? Over on Rumble, we got some rants to do. Let's do a rant, shall we? 
Uh, Huge uh, Hugh Hugh Jedick sent a nice tip. No message, but I just can feel the love surging through it all. We have another one over here. Where is it? I know it was. There you go. Cody117 says, Chris Ann should be the only female allowed to vote. <laughs> also, ban the 19th. <laughs> Chris Ann Hall is the only, the only American female allowed to vote starting next year. <laughs> A new edict from Cody117. Oh, boy. Um, it's going to be after... It's going to be after... Uh, Easter, but I think sometime next week because I have I have a little free time next week. But I want to ask the question though, and we're finally going to get around to. I think the question that I'm trying to, the theme that I'm trying to create, and then once that door is kicked open, who knows what comes through on the other end, is that does the right have a feminism problem? Does the right, that is anything that is not progressive Marxist uh, left anything not a one party or anything but just anything that doesn't describe to that is more on the individual liberty side of things that wants less government that wants more more liberty and and uh, decentralized government approach living your life for does the right have a feminism problem Somewhere around there, I think, is the main theme, and I'll have that fully polished in time for that 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 show. And I believe that that's going to be a really interesting one. I got a lot of notes. I've got a lot of people emailing me about it already, and and the news comes out every day that I say oh, I'm going to set that aside too. What do you think about this? What is the message that the right sends to women? Is it much better than the left? How much better? Larkstar444 says, love your parting words. Outstanding show, Frank and Chris Ann. God bless America. Thank you so much, Lark. It's great to have you out there, as always. SF Green Eyes says, according to Tory Says today, Trump's indictment was written by AI, by artificial intelligence. And the jury selection is also being done by AI. They're trying to take him down with AI. Well... Well, we'll see. If I was Alvin Bragg, that would that would be as like, geez, you're, I'd be like, wait a second, wait. You're doing this through AI, and if it all fails, I'm the fall guy, unless Alvin Bragg is not a real person. Which I know some people out there would probably say, no, he's not real. He's a complete. He's a composite of other people. But um, hey, listen, I I don't know about that. Could be. I, I definitely know that there, and we've read it together on this show, that artificial intelligence for uh, to, to, to take on the mantle of being judges and juries in other countries, I mean, we know it's going there. So that's not nearly as science fiction as you, you may have thought it would have been 10 years ago. As far as AI being the determining factor and, and creating all of this in New York... I don't know. I guess it could be. Larkstar444 says, uh, diving, diving, healing, diving, healing, Mark. We love you dearly. I don't know what diving means, but thank you. 
I'm sure Mark appreciates it too. All right, let's take some calls. 914-595-6953. And while we do that, I am going to bring up some other super chats that have come in. This one from NJSF on Rockfin says, the goal may just be to have the plausible excuse for the coming steal in the primaries. I know, I know. Listen, it never, it never escapes me. And it is only, it's one of the only things I think about here too, is that yes, in the reality, we know how real people respond to this kind of adversity especially political adversity, especially to the lawlessness that is being broadcast all over the place. People see what's going on. They internalize that and they act accordingly. It's the reason why Donald Trump picked up over 11 million new votes. Nobody in the history of American politics, at least, was able to add on to gain that much favor with people over the course of four years. And it wasn't even really because of all of his accomplishments, because he was, he was hindered in so many ways. It was because they realized this is this upheaval from the system because of any semblance of resistance or any semblance of untamed, unpredictable action coming from one person, any semblance of it. All right. He's no Calvin Coolidge, but it was it was that kind of a reaction to him and the nonstop attack over four years that really that really accounted for much of those gains, that historic gains that were just nullified, nullified by, by the people standing, standing behind the corpse, the stillborn. So I, I think about that all the time. I never doubt how this is going to affect real people and how they see what's going on, internalize what's going on, how they relate what's happening to someone like Donald Trump to themselves in regard to how the the system treats any kind of dissidents. Um, But as far as end results and what would be allowed and how this is going to play out, because none of those controls that gave us the 2020 election have been removed. None. Not in any significant way. I know even New York has a pretty sizable um, cleanup operation going on here. People trying to really make some inroads to cleaning up the state of New York and the way that we do elections over here. But is it going to be enough? I don't, I don't know. Uh, so I think about that all the time. Thank you, NJSF, for throwing it out there. Here's a little bit more on quitefrankly.tv, and then we're going to go right to the calls. Chai Possum says, good evening, Frank and Franklies. Hello. Winston Dave says, Frank, my copy, my copy is some 800 pages, but broken up in three volumes. Maybe we can do one volume a year. That He must be talking about his copy of uh, Democracy in America. Man, it is. So then I must only have one volume. All these years, I must have only had one volume and thinking that that was the entire thing. How do we break that one up? All right. Well, I'll have to think about this one. I'll have to think about that one. Jesse81138. Thank you. Thank you, Paulie9363. Sean Joe, Witchy Poo. Witchy Poo says, received my book from Grace, really graceful today. Isn't it fantastic? It's a tremendous resource. 
Amorflow says, welcome to Florida, Chris Ann. Isom, thank you so much. Boys Blanc again says, I love you, Chris Ann. I missed your podcast with Frank and will watch the replay. Yes, plenty of opportunities to watch the replay. And Wichipoo again says, Chris Ann, thank you so much. I guess that's when Chris Ann left. Uh, Music Man 75, thank you. Based Chris Ann Hall, thanks, Frank, says Chai Possum. Punky Kuster says, love the sessions with Chris Ann. Stostubes has many thoughts and prayers on the recoup for Mark Swan. And here comes all the cookies for Mark Swan. No, he doesn't need any cookies right now. I told Mark, I said, you know now that you are not only living for yourself, but for the donor. So, you I mean, your life turns, you've got to do every every way that you were living before, it's over. You've got to be, the get in touch with Jay Gulanello immediately, number one. And retool your life. So, thank you again. Thank you again. Stostube and Boys Blanc, and at the end, could Trump say that he supports... He supports do, uh, to defuse the trans bullshit and tell America he understands their stress. What do you mean? Could Trump say that he supports to defuse the trans stuff and tell America he understands their stress? I don't know what you mean, boys Blanc. Um, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't understand. To defuse it? What's what's there to diffuse? I don't know what I I don't understand that. But let's take some calls, shall we? Yeah, first one up is eight five nine. You're on the air. Who's this? Hey, Frank. It's Deb. How are you doing? Hey, Deb. Welcome to the show. I, <laughs> thanks. I called to decipher what that person was trying to say about the diving. I don't know who who it was. Was it Larkstar? Maybe. But I think they were trying to say divine oh, healing. Divine healing. I'm pretty good. I'm pretty. Yeah, I'm pretty good. When you do those, you know, when you say it out loud, I'm like, I know what they're trying to say. And but I can never get into your show. But I thought, well, shoot, I'm going to try. And you're the first That's one. All on. it is. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to tell you that was it. Oh, that was it. Well, thank you so much. You know, I if I if I were given maybe ten more seconds of solitude, I would have been able to say, "Oh, I know what she's saying." But you know, I'm in uh, yeah. when I'm in radio mode. It's like, all right, keep moving, keep moving. Don't think too much about I, it. I did want to. I did want to tell you one thing. I just cut short a month long that was supposed to be a month long visit to my daughter, but mm-hmm. uh, had to come home because they have five G. And when I walked into the house. And they're on a military, well, they're not on the base, but they're near, They're in uh, a military-based area. And I'm highly uh, sensitive to 5G. It sent me into just the stratosphere. It was unbelievable. Really? So, so, you, it, so you, were, you had a, a, month, am, a month-long trip that was, that was set aside. You were planning I, on spending some time with your daughter. You get to the house yes. and... Tell me about the physical effects. Well, um, first, it was I was shaking all over. It was like you'd had a uh, like I'd had a pot of coffee um, in an hour, and physically shaking everywhere. And um, I just wasn't my just didn't I couldn't sleep. Uh, I wasn't hungry. 
Uh, I wasn't myself. And that, and that's he, not how far away is that in any way, shape, or form? It's not because you were in a different environment, a little bit of home, little no. homesick, nothing like that. No. Okay. No, no, uh-uh. I hadn't seen my daughter in, in months, and we, you know, she has a new baby, and uh, so anyway, I went down there in effort to stay from the 31st of March until the uh what minute was well from the end of march until the first of may and i just got back uh, an hour ago came home and turned on your television turned on the tv to watch quite frankly so you and, you, uh, you spent you spent just about a week there you couldn't take any more you had three weeks left couldn't couldn't take it anymore physically couldn't i was take crying it physically sick and the and that within the first 24 hours I was freezing to death, and I thought, well, she's got her air conditioner pretty low. And I said, I said, Mary, I, I'm something's wrong. I said, I don't know what it is. Uh, I said, would you please take my temperature? I said, don't freak out. You know, I said, just take my temperature. So she took my temperature, and it was 93.3. I said, now take yours. And I said, now take the baby. And, we, and she said, well, we're all normal. Why, why are you 93.3? And so... I didn't say anything to her about the 5G. I didn't say a word. But 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 Deb, uh, but Deb, let me ask you something else here. Where where do you li- where do you live? Uh, well, you don't have to tell me, you know, where your house is. But what 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 part of the country do you live in? And do you do you do you do not have 5G there? I mean, that is emitted by every cell phone oh. tower in the in the country now. It seems. Oh. Well, I'll I'll tell you, but I don't want to take up your whole show on it. Well, I'm interested. Uh, several about two years about two, okay about two years ago, MetroNet when when um, they first shut down everything with um, COVID. I, what was it? Two and a half, three years ago, when they first shut everything down, uh, they put in this this uh, company called MetroNet came in and totally redid put every put 5G through the whole neighborhood. Everybody got it. I got it. Couldn't take it. I had to take it. I had to literally take it. Had to take it out of my house. So I undid it, took it out of my house, went back to regular plug-in cable. So then you, then, so you knew, you knew what yeah. you were feeling because you felt it before. I, I knew I was, I knew I was feeling that effect. So that was about 24 to 48 hours. I lived with that. I had to literally go outside to use my phone. I had couldn't come in the house. I couldn't watch television. It was insane. Then uh, it got clicked on. I went back to my regular cable company. They flicked over to 5G. Uh, How did I know? Walked in the house. I felt all funky and crazy. And I thought, what the hell is going on? Pardon my French. I'm so sorry. Anyway, uh, I looked at my phone. My phone said 5G. I'm like, holy cats. I said, I can't do this. So I unplugged all that and took it back to the cable company and i had this little box uh from that i got from verizon and it was 5g and i said oh my god but this is totally different it's not wired into my house well deb you just plug it in it's you know we're we're coming up on we're coming up on 6g soon too and this is just something that is being rained down on all of us even from they want to do that with the starlink stuff above us but um you know yeah Better, you better look up that you need to look up if you find that you feel like you've had a ton of coffee and you just can't sleep and you can't eat 
and you can't function. You can't hang out with your friends like you normally do. And um, it, I ha- I just know that it's something. Something's just not right. right. I can't. I no sooner got out of that house. It took me two hours. I was driving on the road. It was a ten-hour drive, and uh, within two hours, I was starting to feel like normal. Why? Well, um... And I come home. And I'm fine. I, I, I appreciate so. I appreciate the call. I'm sure that there's I, I've already seen a few people in the chat room say uh, concur that they have these same reactions to this kind of exposure. And I know it's not for every some people are more sensitive than others. Thank you for the call, Deb. Very interesting. And I'm sure I'm going to get quite a few emails about it, too. But uh, a wonderful call. Thank you. And I hope that you I hope that you're able to schedule something with your daughter to make up for lost time in the meantime. But I hope you have a good night. She just thinks I'm she just thinks I'm crazy. Well, you have a good night, Frank. She God probably, bless and yeah. God bless Mark Swan. Oh, yes, and God, God bless Mark Swan. No doubt about it. Well, Bye. you're not crazy, Deb. Tell your daughter you're not crazy. I'm looking at over here. I have a 5G connection right now. Got me thinking of uh, Better Call Saul and Chuck McGill sitting around with those uh, the, the tinfoil blankets. Oh, man. Now, I know I know it's real. I know it's real. I've had plenty of people say that they're just far more sensitive, and it's not a mental thing. So, damn. Okay, there's that. 914-595-6953. Oh, my gosh. Another 914? Who's this over here? Hi, Frank. It's me, Annie, again. <laughs> Annie, welcome. How are you? I'm good. I just wanted to say three things. Go ahead. Um, regarding ballot drop boxes for churches. Wait, Annie, Annie. Anyone... Wait, Annie, can you just please uh, mute, the, mute the show in the background? Yeah. okay. Okay. Um, anyone who goes, who has a, you know, has a based church, ask them about drop boxes, ballot drop boxes. Just, you know, going in, uh, you know, going ahead of, of, of 2024. Also, call your GOP, your state GOP leader, and ask about ballot drop boxes. I'm in New York, and, you know, it's crazy here. So call the state GOP leaders and ask about drop ballot drop boxes, right? Mm-hmm. Ask them ask them what in particular? Are they planning on having them now that it's that that's the plan? As you know, the conservative as conservative party goers are, we need to step ahead and 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 plan this out. Well, the drop boxes uh, and, and not 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 to uh, Annie not to uh, interrupt, but the drop boxes are not the issue here. The real issue is that the other side goes and does this trick or treating form of ballot harvesting and they oh, go sure. you know the oh, drop no, boxes no, sh- those are for everybody, the drop boxes. Oh, no, it's, there's for only sure, but yeah, but not everybody had the Republican party and the conservative people we know we have to play fair and blah 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 and drop boxes shouldn't be you know until we get to that point we have to uh play their play on their uh on their side too so mm. we have to have the drop boxes right yep okay that's that that's just uh something that's in my mind um again and and yet i i just wanted to uh tell the normies out there told you Trump was going to get even more popular after he got indicted. Ha <laughs> ha. And that's it. <laughs> the, the, and like I said, the pop, these are things that you can no doubt, and thank you for the call, Annie. It's always great to hear from you, and uh, and I hope that you're enjoying yourself out there. Yes, I am. All right. <laughs> Have a good one. Take care. There's Annie from Westchester County. 
914. I imagine that starts happening a little bit more. My gosh. Um, those are the things that you can put all the money in the world on. Actual human reaction. Uh, Rich Barris is a testament of that. What is actually going on with people? How are they responding to stimuli? That's the real issue. How are we responding to stimuli? It's not that that is going to be reflected in the end results of every election or any election election at this point, depending on how bad a district is and and, and who's been installed and, and what their end game is and, and who's willing to do what to get ahead. And I'm sure there's always been, like I said, I've been, I've been pushing people toward that 1996 episode of... Uh, coast to coast with that that guy James Collier talking about election theft back in the 1990s around the the Clinton re-election so uh, that that in itself was unheard of back then he's talking about widespread voter fraud in the ways that we are now commonly talking about it now and it being a just just something that we accept at least something that we are debating a lot more with great seriousness and something that we're now looking out for because we have had our sh- our our trust shaken in the system that's supposed to make us feel like this is worthy of our time and our faith that it's it's there to serve us and not some giant corporation some transnational corporation that that uh that wants to use us for one end or another so uh yeah that's why it's it's something something to consider now as far as the whole dropbox thing goes I hear people saying, well, we got to do what they do, uh, but even better. Yeah, and to say that we're going to vote harvest better than anybody else is, remember, harvesting is only a, a small part of what they're doing with, with, uh, with the, 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 the blank canvases and everything else. And uh, I don't know. I think if you're getting into that area just to be able to keep your head above water, then it's not too long before you fall behind again, and, and then it's really then it's just going to be gangs of New York before long. Just going to be gangs in New York. Let's see what else here. In the chat room, I saw Cody117 say, 5G made me gay. Please send help. So somebody help Cody because the 5G has made him impossibly gay. And there's already enough of that going around. (laughs) Let's see. Um, All right. a, A couple more calls. Terry from Northern Michigan. What's going on, Terry? Hey, how's it going, Frank? It's going. It's going. What's on your mind? Uh, you know, you know. Honestly, you know how the Black Lives Matter thing went. I mean, we all do. You know, and I'm thinking, like, you know, what if President Trump came out and said, you know, with this whole trans movement, that he supported it, and, and he was like. You know, everyone that's dealing with, you know, those confusing feelings that, you know, he was with them and he was kind of like on their side and, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's almost like kind of going against the tide. You know what I mean? Well, there's not, there's no wrong, there's nothing wrong with being sympathetic to people who have issues. There's nothing. Yeah, there's nothing exactly. wrong. But the, 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 the thing is that uh, going against the tide is very... It, it, you don't even have to go that far, that far to, to 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 you know. I, I can't stand the backbending that goes on, where you know yeah. it, it, the backbending has got to stop. the The problem here is that there is an industrial scale effort 
by media and federally funded education and, uh, and, and, and medicine out there that is imparting this kind of confusion onto children at very formative stages in their development. And they're doing this. They're doing this. I mean, this, there is something very insidious going on right, right now. There's nothing, uh, there's nobody out there that is saying that we need to go to war with people who are having problems in their lives. There is an issue that needs to be addressed where you have a large, concerted, well-funded effort that is trying to actually debase uh, us on the most fundamental of, of levels when you're talking about biology and that's what they're trying to say they're saying yep. that if you declare yourself to be opposite of what you were born you are actually that thing that is uh, I mean you're, you're destroying everything at that point if you can get people if you can indoctrinate people into believing that then you, there's nothing they won't believe so there is a big difference between being compassionate for those who have found themselves in a really hard spot and they are in a bad mental, emotional state and they, and they need some help. It's another thing to galvanize or to recruit society to enable people in whatever delusions they're having in saying that that is actually real. It's not a problem you're having. This is real. And you're actually more courageous than all of us for expressing this in whatever way that you're doing. And then to turn it into a cultural phenomenon where you're gaslighting people into the uh, gaslighting people about the the uh, about how appropriate it is to have children at at fringe adult sexual entertainment uh, 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 venues, which in any other uh, circumstance nobody cares about. Nobody was gave a shit about drag clubs until uh, until what was going on where you have the mixing deliberate mixing of children and what is going on there and it's all political and it's all about psychological and political grooming and and they they want to gaslight on all that stuff you can't they are forcing us not to be polite about what's happening and that is uh that's something that i don't see a, a need to do any backbending on because nobody at any point has been talking about castigating people who have real problems and, uh, and and making fun of them and, and, and coming down on them and persecuting them. That's not what this is ever about. But we cannot, no. we can't sacrifice. You know, honestly, I, I don't mean to cut you off, but I totally, honestly, the entire time you're talking, I'm smiling because I totally get exactly where you're coming from. But I think there's a point in a time where, you know, maybe trump comes out and says you know i get where you're coming from i get what you're feeling i get the stress that you're under and i feel your pain well but he doesn't have to you know like he doesn't like he though said, you know how can you no know, but he can say that you know this is something i'm going to work on i i think this is something our nation needs to you know focus on i think it's something you know, we need to take a deep and meaningful look within ourselves and our families and, you know, whether, you know, and just deal with it from there. But what is, but, but wait, 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 but, but what does, what does the, wait, Terry, what does the deep, meaningful look in ourselves and our families, what, what does, what action comes from that, that, um, that, that, that helps this in some way? What, what is that about? You know, Frank, honestly, I don't know. I, I don't know. That's... But I know that there's a fight happening, like you said, within this country. And I think it's 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 dividing people. I think it's... Oh, yeah. I think it's corrosive. And I think it's... 
you know, I just think that President Trump is probably one of the most um, understanding fathers and one of the most understanding individuals that we could have in political office nowadays. And I think if he came out in front and said, I understand your pain, I would listen. You know, I really would. I, I'm, I'm very blessed in a same-sex couple to have way over 50 nieces and nephews of all races, creeds, and beliefs. And I think he's probably geared more than me to address this, you know, and, and, and take it down and say, it's not worth fighting about, you know? It's like, we can solve this within our own family. You know what I mean? Well, I, I I do know what you mean, Terry. And thank you for the call, by the way. I'm glad you called back yeah, in. It's great I to love hear. You. <laughs> I do. Well, it's wonderful to have you call on. Thanks again. And uh, I'll uh, let me let me riff on this a little bit more because we're coming up on the end here. But I'm glad that you got in before nine o'clock. Thanks again. But I think you said goodbye. Well, love you too, Terry. Um, to say I understand your pain is to lie. I don't understand the pain. Neither does Donald Trump. He doesn't have gender dysphoria. He doesn't look in, and, and he, he didn't have his mind mangled by a uh, an orchestra of teachers and psychiatrists and and uh, media personalities, librarians. You can be sympathetic. It's very hard to be empathetic about stuff like that. It would come off as disingenuous. There's there are, I, there's no room for compromises on this. There's no room for compromises. You're talking about a, 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 a such an obscure, small group of people. I always said that what 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 this kind of a uh, what this kind of an environment breeds is the need to go and create voting blocks out of once all of the traditional ways of persuading people to vote to talk about kitchen table economics how some how families are going to be able to reclaim more of their money that they earned at the end of the year how they're going to be able to uh, distance themselves and become less in, uh, less uh, less burdened by government regulation and things like that once we have gone away from that and both parties are just a party, uh, they're just, they're in agreement that they are going to be there to regulate and to work, uh, to regulate you and to take care of you from cradle to grave, from birth to retirement, then the only other way that they can di they could uh, differentiate themselves from each other is to dip into people's personal lives and to create voting blocks and then to subdivide, to subdivide people. That's what we're doing right now with this transgender stuff to the point where they're actually seeking to create transgender people or people who say that they're transgender to create a voting block because it's very easy to, to, uh, to, in, to influence people, especially when they're young and naive, when they're jacked up on, on, uh, on, on drugs and when doctors are there waiting with, with nods and approvals and, and ready to write prescriptions for hormones and, and removing testicles and all that. There's no, you can't stand by that. You can't stand by that. There's no compromises. You can't do that. 
There are, there are plenty of ways for someone like Donald Trump or anybody in Donald Trump's position to show compassion for people and to show that they're not out there waiting to send the anti-trans Gestapo from door to door, rooting out all the gender-confused kids and sending them to a, 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 a gas chamber somewhere. Plenty of ways to show that you are not trying to exterminate people like someone like Corinne Jean-Pierre and the rest of the, the crazies in the White House are telling people that there's a genocide brewing against them. Plenty of ways to show that you're not looking to kill people without creating any kind of a scenario where you are compromising on anything because there's nothing left to compromise on. Children's lives are being destroyed and adults, their parents, the people who are supposed to have more sense to protect them from their own inclinations they're being recruited to enable them this is a very serious thing it has nothing and it has nothing to do with uh, people growing up and being uh, sexually attracted to those of the same sex and in, in being gay or, or or whatever this is so far beyond that so far beyond that so I I, I don't I don't know and I don't uh, and I don't uh, Blame you, Terry, if you're still listening, for bringing that, that question up there. Because there are a lot of people asking, how do you navigate this? How do you navigate this and, 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 uh, and be able to come out with a win without sounding like a bigot? And I, I think that it was recently, I don't know, it was just yesterday or something. It was uh, Matt Walsh had said something about, I forgot who the hell it was, and... Um, I don't even know. I I forget what it was. I think it was just this uh, this man, a trans woman, a man that was somewhere at a uh, a speaking engagement. He was in the audience and he was talking to Matt Walsh and 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 Matt Walsh was just pretty much asking this uh, this uh, trans woman to explain how he knows that he's a woman, and it 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 went ex- exactly as all over the place as you'd expect it was a a real a real it was a it was cringy and i i didn't feel anything but but compassion for a person who's living a lie but afterwards matt walsh had said something like he had a few conservatives already message him where is it over here because i had responded to it here it is He said, I've had a few conservatives already message me to tell me that I ruined this exchange by being cruel and telling the trans person that he looks like a man, but there's no cruelty in it. He does look like a man. He's lying to himself, and he's the one who's put this identity on the table for discussion. I'm not going to lie to these people. I'll tell them the frank truth, and I'll tell it to their face. There's no other way because because the person is saying, well, I'm a woman because everybody in my life... Uh, especially women say I I am a woman. They and and he, I mean the exchange is is really kind of fascinating. But we don't have any time to listen to it right now. And the first thing I come up with is I said, well, listen, everybody, we got to ignore anybody who's asking about how we can be pussyfooting with this kind of situation. How we could be backbenders, just just go above and beyond, because they're the ones making the situation far worse by trying to figure out a way to navigate this politically. There's no political navigation around something that is 
that is biological, number one. You're talking about going after biological truths. The basis of every natural interaction that we have as a species and the fact that it is they have to target children. What have I always said? What have I always said? You know, forget about your 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 parents and your grandparents who are who have, who are set in their ways and they think whatever the hell they think. Because the people who are trying to shape and social engineer society for the future, they're going to the preschools. They're not going to the nursing homes. All right? They're going to the preschools. You got it's got to stop. And uh, and we are far beyond the place. If you start thinking about how do we navigate this politically so I don't get I don't sound like a bigot. I mean they they made it this way for a reason. Everything is a landmine. You step on a landmine, you're the bigot. They're made it this way. So what do you do? We just don't walk across the minefield. We let our, our children have their dicks cut off for the next 50 years. Got to walk across the minefield. I don't know what else to say. And I don't think that there's anything that Donald Trump that can uh, could or should say about, I understand, I understand, let's figure, let's figure something out. What's there to figure out? It's got to stop. It's got to stop. And, and even in that respect, there's nothing Trump could do about it. There's nothing anybody as a president of the United States could do to stop it. It's a cultural, it's a cultural contagion. Now, uh, there's a way that you can divorce the government from that. That could happen. But this is already in the DNA. This is already in the fabric of the, of, of the society at large. And what do you do? You've you, you got to let it burn out, just like all the hippies. The old hippies of the 60s and 70s, that all just burned out. They eventually uh, cut their hair. They put on suits and they went to work. This is a little bit different. It's a little bit different. It's one thing It's one thing for you to outgrow your bell bottoms. It's another thing to have cut off your cock. So, yeah, there's not, there's not much there for me there. All right, a couple of things before we leave. I got free dub here. Says nothing witty to add. Just wanted, uh, just that you're the best, and we, the Franklies, love you. Well, thank you so much, free dub. It's great to have you out there. Um, what else do we have over on Rumble? Anything there? Hold on, there is something I think. From Dan Schumann says, "Dreams, Frank. Dreams. One that I had was I couldn't stop dreaming." Well, there you go. There you go. And I want to thank Terry from Northern Michigan for calling in again. Because I, I, I want those calls. I think they're, they're, they're very constructive. Very constructive calls and we need them. I don't want, I don't want it uh, to be in the echo chamber. And I, I, want to, I want to talk about that stuff. That's where the politeness really... That's where, you, that's where the rubber meets the road. We want to talk about politeness. All right, that's that. One, two, three, SKG says drag queen story hour was the downhill slope. No, that's when you're already at the at the, the, the bottom of the hill. No doubt about it. But tomorrow is another day. It's Thursday, ladies and gents. And I'm looking forward to everything that you guys got. Uh, your thoughts. Tonight is Wednesday. That is Rabbit Hole Wednesday on QuiteFrankly.tv. Head over to QuiteFrankly.tv. Let's see here. There's a new stream. Hold on. OBS is saying you can't access. Well, we'll figure that out. 
Rabbit Hole Wednesdays is about to start on quitefrankly.tv. So um, get on over there if you're not already there and enjoy the rest of the evening. With that, I thank you all so much. Oh, damn it. There you go. So much for everything. Thanks again to Chris Ann Hall. Until tomorrow. I'll catch you on the flip side. Quite frankly, is filmed before a live studio audience, and now our super chatters, NJSF over there on Rockfin. Thank you to all my friends on the Rumble Rants. I wish that there was a better way to organize them all. And then I also would like to say thank you to Freedub, Graydon Sharp, KT Sky D, Stostube, Revolution, and even Montana Todd. I'm sorry about not answering your email. Now I gotta go see what that's all about. Talk to you all soon. Good night. <laughs>